Well, hey friends, welcome to another episode of Life Together Inscripted. Today, I've got Simon Camilleri, and Simon is famous for uh, the Backyard Bard, which is a group of men and women who are biblical storytellers. Uh, they bring the scriptures to life by bringing them into the theater. And it was cool to hear how early on in Simon's career as an aspiring playwright, um, he realized that as he was going through the book of Mark, that all the pieces were there, that essentially uh, the scriptures were dramatic in their reading, and all he had to do was bring that into the theater uh, and bring some other people around him to join him. And God gift him with a passion and a vision to uphold scripture and bring it into the theater form. And so he's doing that at the end of this, at this month. Um, the book of Job he's going through, I believe on the 28th of June. And um, it was great to just hear about his process, uh, his passion for theater, his passion for Jesus, and how those things coalesce together. So I hope this interview blesses you guys. Uh, get stuck in and we'll see you soon. Peace. Hey, guys. Hey, Simon. We're getting there, huh? <laughs> there it is. How are you, brother? How you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. It's good. good to chat with you, man. Um, hey, just wanted to give you the heads up. Uh, I'm already in, so I'm already recording right now. Oh. And part of this process is it's, um, look, it's unscripted, unedited. Uh, and so we're just going to have a bit of a yarn. We're going to go for a while and, and chat and uh, hear more about your story. But um, in light of those kind of restrictions or rules or parameters. Um, let me know if there's anything you'd like to pass on. If we get too personal or too deep or there's something you don't want to do, just a simple pass is fine. Um, cool. And just like with any dialogue, um, at any point in time, you can flip the interview on me. You can ask me that same question or just anything that you're interested about as we go along. Cool. So that's it. Let me catch our um, audience up to speed. We don't know each other at all, which is pretty right. cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, how we uh, got connected was we've got a mutual friend and she tagged me on um, a thread to your page and you've got an event coming up. So maybe we can just start there. What is this event? Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, cool. Well, um, we've on the 28th of, uh, of June, we're going to attempt, uh, well, we're actually going to pre-record a couple of days earlier, but it's going to be shown um, a reading of the book of Job. Um, so me and uh, eight other actors are going to get together and on Zoom, we're each going to take on a part, uh, one of the characters in Job and uh, read it all the way through and sort of perform it. And Very uh, cool. So is it a performance then? Have you memorized the lines or are you kind of like, how is that going with Zoom? Because, you know, you could have a script out here or something, right? You, yeah, yeah. So we will be we will be um, reading it. So we're calling it a dramatic reading. Okay. But I've made sure that I've gotten people who um, have some, most of them have theatre backgrounds. Uh, all of them are, are Christians, but some of them are, are Shakespearean actors and um, they've all got that sort of, they bring that uh, love of bringing poetic texts and performing them with real you know, with real passion. Um, yeah, definitely. that to the table. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, it's going to be like a table reading. Um, cool. And um, yeah, we're just going to see, see what happens with it, see how it goes. Very cool. So, well, tell me, um, I love the book of Job. I'm actually reading the book of Job, um, ironically, and just kind of going through it a little bit. I was, I was in, a, oh, what was I in? Exodus. And then I jumped to Job. But um would love to know what was your methodology? What was your thinking? Like, oh, I'd love to uh, attack this book at the moment in this way. Uh, well, it's been a long-term um, long goal. Uh, when I first, 
I, I sort of became a Christian in my teens and uh, I was already into theatre, uh, but then I got into Jesus and um, mm-hmm. went, uh, I actually read a book um, called In His Steps, which uh, is where the, where the armbands WWJD comes from. Oh, okay. What Jesus do. It's a, it's a book yeah. from the 70s, I think, and, but it was about this uh, church that decided to tackle, you know, everything they did for a year what, and ask the question, what would Jesus do? And so there's, mm. um, you know, poets and there's workers and there's advertising people in newspapers and they're all asking this question. And so I asked that of myself as a brand new Christian, and I and I realised I had this love for theatre, and so I I wanted to you know go how can I share the gospel? How can I explore my faith? How can I communicate these things through theatre? Yeah. And um, so I got into looking into you know trying to write Christian plays and um, find out what was out there. And as I read through the Bible, I stumbled upon Job and went, oh my gosh, it's it's already a script. It's yeah. like the one book of the Bible that's written just, you know, almost all the way through as a script. It's one person speaks and they've got their monologue and then the yes. next person. And you can uh, almost see the actors on side stage or something. You can almost visualize <laughs> it, right? It's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so I went, oh, gee, this seems epic and and daunting and uh, how would this be done? And and I've never gotten around to doing it. Um, and that was, you know, when I was about 16, 17 and I'm 42 now. Yeah, wow. Um, and so really it was the pandemic that yeah. inspired going what, um, you know, because when it all happened, uh, there was a whole bunch of theatre people who were out of work, you know, as, mm. as entertainment things closed. Yeah. And I thought, you know, creative people, we're going to just work out another way of doing this. Yeah. And um, so I thought what theatre things could there be? And the first thing that came to mind was, oh, um, just play readings. That'd be great. You know, people reading, uh, you know, Shakespeare plays or reading whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and I thought that'd be a lot of fun. And then I thought, what well, what books of the Bible would be fun to do like that as well? And so then, bang, my mind went back to Job and thought, wow, would that be, is this the, a great time to, to do that? Yeah. Just put the feelers out there and just realise how many people love the book of Job, have this sort of secret love for it um, and interest in it. And it's sort of a fascinating and difficult book. Yes. Um, and and so it just seemed a perfect one to just uh, have this big reading so people can engage with it in that way. Yeah, very cool. Well, hey, we're at a fork in the road uh, in the interview. And so I'm going to allow you to choose your own adventure. Would you rather talk about your 16-year-old self or would you rather talk about literally the book of Job and some of the text and, and some of the challenges of that? Oh, oh either. E- either way. Well, let's go 16-year-old self. Okay. Yeah, let's go 16-year-old self. So yep. um, you realize and recognize that you've got a passion for theater, a passion for Jesus. And, and how can I bring these two worlds together in the early days? Um what did that look like more specifically, I suppose? Like, how were you, um, were, did you able, were you able to find things in the church that you could uh, express this gifting? Um, did it feel clunky in a, in a church kind of context? Yeah. Uh, maybe just walk me through some of the progression of that as you're younger. Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing I did was I walked into a little Christian bookstore expecting there to be the Christian play section um, <laughs> <laughs> and did not find anything. The only thing that was there was, skits for church skits and and that I you know I was really into theater and I was like oh church skits that sounds terrible (laughs) 
I've since uh, done enough of them over the years to to have a, a sort of a fondness for them and see their place. Um, yeah. But at the time, I was looking for something really meaty and realised yeah. that I couldn't, I didn't know, you know, it definitely wasn't there in the sort of the mainstream Christian literature mm-hmm. um, smorgasbord. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to try and write some. Uh, so I I went to, this was just before I went to uni, and so I went to went to uni and studied, um, majored in theatre studies and um, tried to write Christian plays. Um, and, you know, and, you, know, you define them as Christian plays, but really they were just plays that were expressing my experience, my worldview and, um, and exploring some of these themes. And, uh, and I went to La Trobe University in Melbourne and um, that had a real thriving theatre scene and it's very experimental and, you know, you could pretty much do anything and they would support it and and we would all support each other in this sort of theatre community there. And so I was able to put on plays that had a, you know, really off-the-wall sort of messages and uh, exploring sort of Christian themes in a variety of different ways um, over many years and try and write things and then direct them and often act in them and... Um, that was sort of where I cut my teeth on. Cool. Uh, well, hey, in those early days, in those early days, tell me something you're either particularly proud of or now you look back and you're particularly cringeworthy in those <laughs> early script writing days, right? Because look, yeah. anytime you're cutting your teeth on something, there's going to be things that you're like, you stumble upon and that that was awesome and a magical time and season. Other yeah. times you're like, ooh, man, that's a learning point. So for you. <laughs> well, well, this was both. This It's the very first play I wrote uh, was called the Sin of the Fathers, and it was a a takeoff sort of of the of uh, Christmas Carol um, story, you know, and where you know where you know the old classic Ebenezer Scrooge sees his life and then goes into the past, sees him as a child, sees his present, and his and the consequence, and then sees his future. And I did it from a, a perspective of um, um, domestic violence, so this violent man sees his wow. past, sees his childhood and how his dad treated him, sees his present, sees, so he sees his wife and children from science and then sees his future, sees his child grown up and passing on that. Um, and I thought, like, this this was my first ever play that I'd written. It was had a gospel message in the end and, um, and I was convinced God wanted this play to happen. Mm-hmm. So I posted up uh, at uni, I posted up, uh, things are going, be part of this show, you know, it's going to happen. I was praying about it. I was convinced and I booked a room, a meeting room to have the floods of people to come uh, who, you know, God would bring to to make this play happen. And I booked a time and no one turned up. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. <laughs> and... Um, um. Yeah, and that was a that was a really, really, really good experience oh, to have that because it, it. it showed me that you know that you you know you need to you need to actually put a bit of work. You don't just have an idea and then just expect God to just uh, bring people out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And so I, it was very humbling. Um, yeah, and that was your first. So that that's that's your learning process, huh? Like really setting out to do it. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just got straight into writing some more things and trying and working out actually how do you inspire people to, to join you in, in something that you want to do. Yeah. Um, 
and and trusting God in the midst of that. Uh, and um, and so since from then on, I was able to put on lots of lots of plays through the 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 theatre department. Yeah. Um, and um, and then probably another really defining moment was I was sort of getting frustrated with my own writing, and feeling like I just wanted to. Um, write something that was clear. I'd written all these sort of obscure, sort of Christianish mm-hmm. things, and I worried that I was. Um, I remember thinking this illustration at the time. I worried I was whittling down the seed to fit the soil, mm-hmm. rather than just throwing the seed out there and just it lands on all different soil. Mm-hmm. So it's going on. Oh, this is the soil. So I need to make sure this seed of the gospel fits that soil. Yeah. And I just was like. Uh, I just want to try just being as, you know, as as clear as I can. Mm. And I thought, well, then I'll do, you know, the Jesus story. I'll do a play. I'll write a play based on that. <laughs> and so I started, you know, reading the Gospels as using them as like a, thinking of them as a source material <laughs> to write a play. And, and then I stumbled upon um, a hearing of a man who had learnt the Gospel of Mark. Uh, off by heart and just sat on a stage and Mm. performed it. Yeah. And I went, what? (laughs) I I went back to the text and I remember this. It was just after the Lord of the Rings had come out Uh um, and the opening, you know, speech of the Lord of the Rings, which was, I think, Gladriel and she's saying, you know, in a time when man had forgot (laughs) the the rings and the blah, blah. So I had this sort of epic storytelling voice in my mind I remember at the time and I'd, I I just open up the gospel of mark and it starts uh it starts with um let's see if I can remember it um uh it is written in the prophet isaiah i will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the desert prepare the way of the lord make straight paths for him. Yeah. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching about, like, so, and I'm just like, what? Exactly, and I, I just suddenly, instead of thinking of, as a source text that I'd need to write something creative from, I just went, it's all there. It's all there. And instead of seeing this as just something we study, I... I um I went wow this is the text is is uh, is living and active yes, and yeah. vibrant and dramatic and mm-hmm. these were storytellers who had written this yes. um and so I then decided to do what I'd heard someone do and um I didn't just do it by myself but I got a group of about twelve people and we all learnt a section of Mark's gospel and we performed it at uni very cool. Um, and did a you know, a production of Mark's Gospel, and since then, for for years later, that was one of the main things I did was learn scripture off by heart and perform it um, in a variety of places. And I started a group called the Backyard Bard, which went around places for many years, and and has sort of been in hibernation for uh, probably like a decade now. Okay. Um, and this show of doing the 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 reading at least the dramatic reading of the book of job is it's 
emerging from hibernation. So Okay, very cool. Yeah, um, I've heard of the Backyard Bard because um, I came across this guy from the Bible Project who they spruiked and he did the book of Revelation. And yeah, a buddy of yeah. mine's like, oh, was it the Backyard Bard? And I'm like, I don't think so. Ah, no, yeah, so my, my friend, um, yeah, my friend Rob Turnbull, he had one of the shows that we, we learned, where he learned the whole book of Revelation and performed it. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was, we just had such a great experience over many years realising that the, the scriptures themselves didn't need to be adapted uh, for a modern setting or adapted into uh, a, a play or anything like that, that you could just, the text itself was so beautifully written. Mm. Um, there's, yeah, it was really just sort of trusting the text and, and sharing it, so... Yeah. Incredible. Well, hey, tell me about um, those early days of Mark or, or maybe just in general um, memorizing scripts. What, where does that process start for you? Um, is there any difference with scripture? I mean, obviously, that's a beautiful thing. Like if you can call to mind scripture at different times, what a, what a tremendous blessing. But for you, where did that start and, and how do you do that? Um, well, yeah, the process, often when people think of um, like there's maybe a slightly different process to memorizing lines in a play to memorizing scripture to perform but in all cases it's if it's just a process of learning words that's where you're going to go wrong because as soon as you've locked dropped one word then you've lost lost the train mm. um and so often with with um the uh, biblical storytelling we called it when it, when we were sort of um, committing to memory big slabs of scripture the the goal wasn't memorizing words, but really marinating ourselves in the text and and knowing it. Um, and the analogy I often use was if I asked you, uh, you know, what's an event, uh, an important event in your life, Dom? What's uh, what would be? Uh, like? Yeah, my my Jesus story, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. And so I if I just know. asked you about yeah. that, right? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. could probably talk for an hour, and you you do these these, uh, you know, podcasts. So, you, you know, people can just talk about their own life experience for hours and mm -hmm. hours mm -hmm. and they didn't memorize those words, mm -hmm. right? Even though mm -hmm. they speak thousands and thousands of words, they've lived that experience. And then, so the words come out naturally. Um, yeah. and so what we often would do with, with scripture is make sure that, um, that before it was written down, it was something happened. Like so people saw it, there was an experience that happened and then it got written down. And so it was, it's connecting with that. So the reality of that experience. Um, and then, uh, so that then the, you know, the words that you're committing to memory is, um, a much, you know, some more deeper process. So it's not just yeah. a, a situation of learning just word after word after word. Yeah. It's, you know, understanding what's behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I get that, um, but can you maybe take me one step further? So I get that it's not yeah. rote memorization and you're attaching yeah. some sort of, uh, you're attaching yourself to the story or the scripture, but I guess what I'm still left with is, give me, can you give me a tangible example of like, like, so how would that happen in the book of Mark or Revelation or anything that were, or the book of Job or anything like that? How do you live that experience or, yeah. or mind map to actually get close enough uh, to that scripture? Yep. Um, well, a lot of it's, uh, it's, one thing that really helped was, getting up off the chair as quickly as possible. So, um, you know, if you're just sitting down reading it, it is just a, a slab of words on a page. 
but the more you can actually stand up and start um, performing it in the space and telling the story in the space and letting the directions within the text guide you as to how to move. And so if, you know, if it, if it would say, and, and then he came forward and he knelt before Jesus. And so you'd actually physically let, let those actions um, guide how, what you would do physically. Yeah, um, okay. And then you would start attaching, uh, you know, it would be actually your body memory, your physical memory um, would connect with the words. And you remember walking over there and you'd remember turning around and sitting down at this point as well as the words. And one would prompt the other and the words would prompt the actions and the actions would prompt the words. And um, mm. so my, my old scripts would be filled with drawings and um, er- everything to help me visualize it and embody it and uh you know connect with it as much as possible very cool what's kind of a funny one that you remember like um you know you're supposed to mind map funny things is there one that you could remember that's particularly odd as it relates to like a you know a certain passage of scripture or something that you're like oh man that's pretty funny (laughs) well i i just remember that i would i because no one would see the script you have full reign to, to be as, use whatever images work. For yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so often I would have, draw, if it was um, after that time, I'd draw a clock and, you know, and just to prompt most, myself to those sort of words and uh, I'm a very visual person. So it would almost be like hieroglyphics across, my, across the text as I would have all these pictures and drawings and actions um, that would... Yeah, you know, and if it was silly, I'd still, you know, I'd do, I'd do a silly picture. If anything that inspired um, an image or something like that, I'd go with it and, um, you know, let the text inspire me as much as possible. And yeah, that would cool. Be communicated. Oh, yeah, I reckon that's a tough one. I, I, I threw you in the, the deep end on that one because, um, you know, what they say is like when you mind map and you, you, you get to learn someone's name or anything like that, you pick something quirky about that person. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I know a guy called Molly Michael. I remember him because he's got moles, you know, but I reckon that, you know, that was a hard one for you to answer. So I, <laughs> I understand. But um, all right. Well, well tell me about, um, tell me some wins in the Backyard Bard series days. Like what was something that was good about that time or something that, you know, obviously um, a buddy of mine remembered the book of Revelation and that was quite yeah. profound to him. Um, how do you reflect on those days? What's something that you're particularly proud of or thankful that God was doing in your midst? Yeah, I, I think it was just, one thing that was wonderful was that how many churches responded well to it. Um, and welcomed it. So I got to go into such a variety of denominations. Uh, I was brought up in a Catholic family, and then I was led to Christ through a Pentecostal family, and then ended up in a Presbyterian church, right? So I've I've had these different flavours of church experience. But when I got to do these performances, I'd perform them uh, in such a variety of churches. You know, more conservative churches would love it because it was, uh, you know, me, the teaching the word of God and then, uh, you know, really more, maybe more liberal or progressive churches would love it just because it was creative and mm-hmm. uh, artistic. And so I got to do it in, in such a variety of um, uh, spaces, which was just wonderful uh, and got to just see different churches and experience um, different, you know, Christian communities mm-hmm. um, and share the word of God. It was just so wonderful to go, uh, 
you know, as much as I'm giving a, a bit of my interpretation of the text through the way I'm doing it, um, ultimately I'm just presenting God's word and mm. um, probably a couple of standout experiences. There's some big ones, like I got to do the, we just had Pentecost the other day. Um, the first time I, I got to perform Pentecost was at a, a music festival up in Queensland. I got to, to do the first two chapters or so of Acts. Um, at what, what music festival? Can I, can I stop you right there? What music festival was that? Oh, was it? Um, oh, do you know a few? Because I probably I I, the only re- the, the only reason why I was asking is it. I was wondering if it was Easter Fest. That's the only other one I've heard of. No, it wasn't. But that's but, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a it was a big music festival. I don't even know if it was a. It might not have even been a Christian one. It might have just been a big hmm. music festival up there. Very cool. Um, and uh, uh, and I got to perform, and it was like six thousand people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, wow, like this is sort of the crowds that responded. So doing yeah. doing Peter's speech where yeah. 3,000 people responded and were baptised on that day to a crowd of thousands just yeah. felt like, you know, when do you read that speech in that way? Um, yeah. And so that was really, times. that was wonderful. Um, yeah. And probably another one that stands out to me was something to bring it right down was, I got invited to a home church that was doing a um, uh, sort of invite your friends discussion night and I I came for a few nights and did stories from Genesis and I did when I did the creation story, I asked who here has never actually heard story, you know, the stories from Genesis, the creation story and, you know, and there was a like a third of the room put their hand up and the privilege of presenting the f- opening chapters of the Bible to people who had never heard it before, yeah. they might have knew about it, but they'd never heard, read it themselves, mm. was just something really um, very, very uh, magical and unique. So Incredible. Mm. Um, before we get to the Book of Job, I, I'm curious to know, did you ever have any days where you were, um, you, you said you did do some creative writing. Did you ever follow that trend as well? Or did you primarily um, continue down the path of scripture after Mark? Like, did you have a, a, a season of, of your own writing? And Yeah, it was really leading up to that. Um, okay. I, 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 did, um, I did a lot of my own plays. But when I hit Mark, it was almost so, it was just, so amazing to go, wow, I just presented, we just presented the gospel to um, uni students. Like, and we had, we had crowds coming. We had to turn people away in the end. And we thought like, this is amazing. People are coming to hear just the straight gospel with no editing. And I've been doing for years trying to work out how to share the gospel in creative ways. And it was like this, why, why would I do anything else? <laughs> um, awesome. And it was almost as very, why would I do anything other than Mark? Um, because I went, there's Jesus straight up. There it yeah. is. But I wanted to go, does this work for Old Testament narratives? And so we leapt around and we did, you know, at the beginning we did stories from Judges and, um, you know, Book of Daniel and, um, yeah, and Esther. And uh, I got to do um, the stories of Elijah and I got to actually travel to the States and perform that in churches around. And um, so that, that was really, yeah. Once I stumbled upon that, I, 
I haven't written a full-length sort of serious adult play uh, since. I've written, now I've gotten sort of written, in, I've written skits and written things for our children's uh, ministry at church and yeah. stuff like that. But um, Well, that's okay. Yeah. That might be an unhelpful tangent. I think the only thing I was musing on or pondering on is, is we, you know, sometimes we get into story structure and there's something quite... Um, brilliant about that process and I was gonna I was wondering if you know in the film world if that marries or maps on to the um, playwright world and if those are kind of similar themes and patterns and things that you would see and experience or are there kind of different rules that exist within theater or different things that you're going after um compared to film yeah yep. yeah yeah well I think they because they're different mediums um I remember reading a book on this really early on and it, and it just inspired me about um, how, you know, the difference between books, theatre and film and how books give the internal world really well, that, that have that opportunity to actually tell you what's going on in the person's mind. And film has the benefit of camera shots and angles and so using that to its, uh, to its benefit. And the benefit the theatre has is that it's live, that there's an audience and each medium should actually embrace its own um, you know, the things it does well. So ever since reading that, I remember going, why am I, uh, you know, in, in theatre they talk about the fourth wall, which is the, you know, the wall that separates the audience from the from the stage. And I thought, we, yeah, break, they talk about breaking the fourth wall. And, and ever since then I've like, yeah, theatre is live and we should embrace that. So I had the actors going in amongst the audience or the, you know, all that sort of stuff that, just brought a sense that the audience is aware that they are there and, and storytelling worked even better for that. Um, and I would always have, always have the lights up a little bit for, for biblical storytelling because I wanted to look people in the eyes when I was telling them the story and I wanted them to be aware of each other when they were hearing mm. it. So it was this a more communal feel. So, yeah, that's something that theatre has the opportunity for that film doesn't. There's always a slight separation between the audience and the actors in that yeah that's great um i'd be curious to know uh so we can kind of talk about writing because there is a i would assume there's a dissection process after you've taken the text and you're like look i've got the biblical text sitting right here and i've got a play over here and there's a process to get from here to here so i'd love to hear about um I guess the challenges of that process, something that we wouldn't consider as, you know, because I understand creative media and, and there is a production thing that goes from here to here and there's quite a massive chasm in between. But what yep. you're seeking to do and what you're setting out to do, what are the challenges as you experience that journey? Um, well, there's slight, Job has created a new, a new challenge. So, because usually what we did with, say with Mark, is instead of having different people playing different characters, we would give people different chapters, different sections of the story, and they would play all the characters within that. Okay. Or they would use the other storytellers who aren't the key storyteller. They would sort of become the crowd or something. Um, they would get used almost like props by the storyteller and then that storyteller would um, pass to some degree the baton on to the next section of the story to the next storyteller. Um, where which that's quite different to normal theatre where you're all playing an individual um, character. Uh, with Job though, we've because it lends itself to because um, the way it's written is you know this person speaks and then that person speaks. Mm -hmm. It would be a bit silly for one person to to read one 
you know, a few, couple of chapters and then another person to read the next couple of chapters, it really lends itself to each person embodying each of those characters individually. Um, so we've got one person playing uh, the narrator, doing any of those, you know, uh, things where they're talking about the scene and um, and then and one person playing the Lord and one person playing Satan uh, and... Um, I'm playing Job, so I'm take. I didn't realize how many chapters Job has to read. He's got a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then one, I've got you know individual people playing the individual friends, um, and uh, even my wife's doing a cameo playing Job's wife for that one line where uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> curse God, and curse die. God and yeah, die. no kidding, classic <laughs> line, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so this has been an interesting. Uh, really unique to anything else I've ever done because um, it's taking scripture and so I want to be really faithful to it in a unique way. Like when I'm taking in a Shakespeare play, I can I can go, yeah, Shakespeare may have meant this, but I'm going to, let's do it this way. Mm-hmm. Whereas with scripture, I've, I feel much more of an obligation to um, try to communicate the, you know, the author's intent and God's intent in it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, in, in terms of, um, I've got a question about accuracy, but before accuracy, I'd love to know about how do you get from, and I think, you know, I was trying to set up the, we, we've read, we've read Job and yep. now we have to actually put on a performance, but yep. I think there's, there's something in the middle about the creative process that, yeah. you know, I'm assuming you've got, um, props or I'm assuming you've got, you know, visual direction or wardrobing or things like that, um, where does that start creatively or conceptually? Do you give autonomy to your actors? Do you kind of like map out the whole thing? How does that come together? Uh, Well, uh, directors work in different ways and you're, you know, sort of your job as a director is to think creatively as a whole and how does this all fit together Um, and to inspire your actors with maybe ideas and and a sort of a a style, a way. Um, But, you're a, you're a fool if you don't pick the sort of people that can come up with their own ideas too, um, as a director. So, uh, I've, I was really keen. I, I actually went and did an audition process for this because we had so many people who said they were interested, uh, in reading for it that I went, Oh gosh, I'm going to need to actually, uh, I think I might need to audition and that'll, but that'll give me a, a unique opportunity to just give them a small bit of text and just see how they read that that bit of text um, and and from that I really saw sort of who got the idea that I was going for um, which was being able to it's very much similar to Shakespeare being able to read poetic language that's very visual very descriptive and often big speeches but still do it as if it's coming from the heart and if it's being thought of in the moment rather than I'm just reading a section of scripture. Um, mm. So I had to find people who who had that the right that voice that could not just mm. the way their voice sounded, but their, their that understanding of the text. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'm in the middle of that process of going through the text and thinking, how do we do this um, visually? It's it's because we're doing it on Zoom. Um, we won't be able to use big sets. Uh, we'll okay. be in different spaces. Um, and so on one level, people are very forgiving in terms of how it's going to look. Uh, we are going to be conscious about maybe what we wear and what's in the background and, um, and those things to help people get into it. Um, but just 
one idea was sort of a sneak preview of possibly that might one thing that might be in the play is um, so at the very beginning, Job loses all his children, ten of his ten children, and and has he hasn't totally broken yet. He's grieving uh, and he mourns for them, and he says, "The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." Um, and so I thought visually, one thing that might be beautiful on this on this sort of space, this screen that we've got in you know, thinking the zoom as the, the sort of the, the screen as the, uh, as the stage is having 10 candles mm. that he lights mm. as sort of a memorial. Um, but then when the next thing happened and he gets afflicted and he's now he's broken, uh, that he snuffs out those 10 candles over the seven, you know, the, mm sort of is silent for seven days. Um, yeah. But that sort of gets him to his point of now his light, you know, his light's gone. He's now in darkness. Yeah. And just that visual thing of him and doing it with fingers too. So having, so it, there's an element of physical pain that's involved in that. And just so we're just thinking of those sort of creative things yeah. to express the text without having to adapt or change the text at all. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's awesome, man. Uh, so I want to go after. Um, yep, there's two things on my mind. So first is accuracy. I'm curious to know, like, if you stuff up a word, we've kind of talked about this, and it is marrying, and it, and it's getting the essence of the character and the mood and everything like that. Um, but because it's the church, like, there can be some people that are quite like, "This is the word of God, man. You left out the instead of thy, or you know, what, who, whatever, right?" Yeah, yeah. And so, um, what's been your experience of that in the backyard bard days? Was there much grace? Did you stumble? Did you come across people who are quite um, bothered by that? You know, do you internally get really worked up if you miss a line? Like, just maybe, just tell me about accuracy yeah, yeah. and how it relates to theater and and yeah. what that's like. Yeah, yeah, that was a big. That was a question. Um, and if we were burdened by the the feeling that this had to be word accurate, otherwise it's not God's word, uh, then that would have been. A really horrible experience. I think of mm. trying to memorize every word, and unfortunately, I don't think Christians actually have that philosophy about scripture. Um, yeah. You know, we all acknowledge that it's been it's been translated. If you want to be word accurate, you've got to go to the Greek <laughs> and the Hebrew. You know, yeah. um, well, I've come uh, across think, some, man. I work in a church, and there can be some people that get very meticulous with their eyes and T's. But yeah, yeah, I, that's right. I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's that's a distinction to um, maybe Islam is that where if it's not, if it's translated into English, then it's not strictly the Quran. Um, whereas uh, Christians don't have that philosophy uh, generally that we go, it's God's word, even when it's translated, because uh, it's the message that God, that's God's word. And we have to be faithful. The reason why we translate it accurately is because you translate it. If you don't translate it accurate, accurately, you change the message. Um, and so we would always talk about content accuracy, not word accuracy. Um, so if you miss the sentence, you're probably going to miss something important. Mm. But if you say the same sentence in a slightly different way, um, then you're probably not going to get yeah. something wrong. And yeah, what we cool. actually found was more often we would have people while we're performing in churches grabbing their Bibles and pulling it out because they couldn't believe that what we said yeah. was actually in the Bible. And that was a wonderful experience 
um, to actually go, you know, to, to present things afresh to people um, and then them realise, actually, that's right there. He does say that, you know, and, yes. um, and that was... Especially more in your deliber uh, delivery or inter uh, interpretation of how the text is written, read, um, yeah. you bring it to life and there's vibrancy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and so it's sometimes just a different ear to hearing it that they didn't realise that that's... That, that line's actually there. Um, and so that was always one, a wonderful experience. We, I, did rem I do remember one experience where someone came up to me and they, she didn't have a problem with um, the accuracy of the text at all. She had a problem that I was not doing it straight, like I was doing mm -hmm. it with emotion yeah. and that was interpreting the text and that's not my job um, and yeah. that's... And there's a danger, inherent danger in that, and all that I'm that it's I'm not doing it in a um, a respectful yeah. uh, way, you know. By because yeah. you know my, my characters would have voices. I'd have yeah. you know the different characters with different voices, and I'd be moving around quite dramatically if it needed it, and and so for her that was a way of disrespecting the text. Mm. Um, and I remember having it was a wonderful conversation because I had such respect for her um and i had even it was after the show so you had a crowds of people sort of people milling around and people were like coming to my defense mm -hmm. going no 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 it's better this way and blah blah but i was coming to her defense mm -hmm. <laughs> because her goal was to honor god's word and yeah. to do it respectfully and with the right you know with honor for the the, the holy god that has given us it and so I, and I said, I, you know, I, I, that's totally my goal too, is mm. to honour the text um, and that I believe actually doing it with passion, I think it's the passion that the passage deserves and that if I'm ever, distra if I'm ever distracting from the text or from God um, and his word, if people are remembering me and not the story or not the message, then, then I've done a bad job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 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 That is a tough one, brother. And that's one that we, yeah. So I work for a church and, and there's, um, you know, different people with different passion and God has created us so differently that, um, I'm thankful, uh, that as we come together, we challenge each other. And at the same time, there's different expressions of how the gospel can be preached. Yeah. Um, and maybe as we're closing our time together, I'd love to know what's something you're learning from the book of Job. It sounds like you're marinating in the text and even that illustration you use, uh, about, you know, the, the Lord, uh, gives and the Lord takes away and, and the depth of Job's um, pain and, you know, all of that and the snuffing out. That illustration was beautiful, but particularly as you're, you know, investing and diving in, where do you think God is challenging you or what is it that's um, hitting you afresh? What is the Holy Spirit doing in your life that's that's new and fresh? Yeah. Um, well, probably the, the thing I've always loved about Job, I'm re- re-enjoying is his um it seems that the bible's okay with us questioning god's goodness <laughs> um but it doesn't allow us to question god's sovereignty <laughs> like often that people go when there's evil in the world it's either god's if god's in control how can he be good or if he's god's good how can he be in control it seems like the the bible doesn't grapple too much with is God in control, it just assumes God's in control. And the things it grapples with is, okay, we know God's in control, 
So how is God good mm. in this? How is God just? How is God right? And it seems like the book of Job is, is just full of that grappling and, uh, and that's, I think, a wonderful thing for us to be able to do is be able to, on one level, just uh, acknowledge God's control over the world and that God could, you know, in, in the midst of a pandemic, uh, and in the midst of the riots um, in in the states and um, all these things, that we believe in a God that could, if He wanted to, stop all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we we go well. How is that just? And how is this right? And what is God doing? And the Bible has a, a lot of answers. Uh, and one of the beautiful things about Job is that it it says we. I think its message in the end is how do we grapple with a, the, with God's love and God's goodness and God's sovereignty when we don't have the answers, when we don't know, and we can't and we don't get to know, yeah. um, even when we seek God. How does God meet us? Uh, and God doesn't the, the the God of Job doesn't abandon Job. He meets him and he speaks to him and he loves him and he. Uh, re-blesses him yep. as well, yeah. but he doesn't answer all yep. all of his questions. <laughs> yeah. And that's the great Christian experience, I think, of the, the experience of God's people of actually, you know, we don't know all the answers and God doesn't provide all the answers, but God still meets us in, in the midst of all, all of what we experience. So, yeah, it's very wonderful. Yeah, it's so good. I think that's one of the things I love about Job too is he's like, after he re-blesses him, he's just like, and here's the cosmos, Joe. Tell me about the cosmos, you know? And it just, it ends on this, like, where are we left with? What happened with Satan and the, you know, what happened with the, and it's just, that's that's the beautiful mystery that is the Christian faith, right? Yeah. Because like that's you said, Pope, things, mm, go sorry, ahead. Sorry. In, go ahead. Um, I've always seen that as, as just God putting him in his place, going, mm. well, did you make the blah, blah, blah? Who are you to question me? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I have learned afresh uh, as I've re been studying it and one thing I've recently come to see is that is actually um, his, the way God uh, actually comforts Job mm-hmm. and, and um, lifts him up out of his, it's not a, God doesn't do that um, to crush him, but actually by, to reassure him of, He's actually got all this under control. Mm. Uh, you don't need to worry that there is, that the universe is shaking and that there is injustice. You know, I'm actually in control and as much, I won't reveal everything, but you can be comforted by me. Mm. Um, so I actually think it ends on this really sweet note where he has actually, you know, one of the last things that Job says is that I'd, you know, I'd heard about you, but now I have seen you. Um, and you know, so I think it's, yeah, it's a very sweet, beautiful story as, as challenging as it is as well. It's excellent. Well, do you have anything else as it relates to the show or the book of Job or, or our time together? We are kind of winding down. I'm curious to know if there's anything else you'd like to spruik about the show or, um, well, I'd love for people to watch it. Um, it's, it's just going to be, uh, posted on our Facebook group or on, on, um, or our Facebook page or on. Uh, YouTube channel. It, it, if people want to find out about it, they can go to um, 
thebookofjob.link, so www.thebookofjob.link. Um, and we did a, the other day we did a great interview with Andy Prido, who's been studying the Book of Job and marinating in it for the last 27 years and has written a a commentary on it. And I did an interview with him and that was just uh, a great little video that's up there now. Um, So yeah, hopefully we, we just want to put this stuff out there so people can enjoy it and experience it and discuss it themselves. Okay, cool. Well, Simon, thanks so much for your time today, brother. What I do with all of my um, interviewees and friends and all of that is just stick around for a little bit of small talk on the back end, but I'll officially log off now and uh, we'll, we'll cease the interview. But thanks so much for your time today, brother. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. I'm going to nail this. Well, hey, that's it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Uh, if you did, please help me promote. I know you know how to do that, like or share or subscribe or all those kind of clever things that people are talking about. Um, but also, if you have anyone that you think would be a good interview for this uh, podcast, please do leave that in the comments down below. Let's close today with these words in Hebrews chapter 10. Paul reminds us, he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Until that day, guys, keep doing life together. Love you. Share this around. Bless you. Peace. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. Pretty good.